You're listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We'll be joined by experts who will help us understand current issues and resources available to those diagnosed with blood cancer. Holidays and, you know, those things are, are, mean so much more now than they did prior to cancer entering our lives. This may potentially be a cure for some patients. We'll also be speaking with patients and caregivers who will share their cancer journey with us to better understand life after diagnosis and let you know you're not alone. Beforehand, my job was to earn a living for my family. My wife said to me, your job now is to live. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. And I'm really enjoying it. It's a much more fulfilling life. Everything that I knew, I didn't know anymore. That defense mode. We're survivors. Like... But they're probably not the questions that you want answered. So, yeah, writing them down for us is important because of our chemo brain. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bloodline with LLS. I'm Alicia, and I'm Lizette. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Today, we will be speaking with hematologist oncologist. Dr. Robert Chen, who is an associate director at the Tony Stevenson Lymphoma Center, associate professor and staff physician in the Department of Hematology, and associate director of phase one, phase two trials in malignant hematology. He does all of this over at City of Hope in Duarte, California. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Chen. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We're going to be speaking about mantle cell lymphoma on this episode, but before we jump in, what brought you to the field of medicine, specifically lymphoma? Uh, well, when I was a medical student, this was back in the 1990s, the field of oncology was exploding. You know, the, all the new therapy, novel therapy that are molecular, based on molecular biology, targeted therapy, that was like a very small field, but it was, you could see that it was going to grow. And that was changing the lives of patients. And so that's why scientifically I was very driven to go into this field of medicine. The patients I had as a med student, you know, you get exposed to cardiology, pulmonary, different type of patients. And the patients with cancer, I felt like I really uh, formed close relationship with them. And because there's a big change in their, the diagnosis of cancer at that time was a big change in the person's life and also their family. So you feel like you were an important part of their journey. So that's why that drove me to this field of oncology. And specifically lymphoma, I thought was more interesting because it dealt with the immune system. And so that's why it kind of tied it all in together for me. Here at the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, we have information specialists and people can you know call in and they'll speak one-on-one with one of our specialists about any question that they have regarding diseases, you know, information, clinical trials, things like that. And when they call, many times they say, I was just diagnosed with lymphoma. And then, you know, our information specialists will say, okay, what type of lymphoma? And many times they don't know. They say, they have no idea that there's so many subtypes. They don't know that there's Hodgkin's, non-Hodgkin's. So, what makes mantle cell lymphoma a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? And what is lymphoma overall for those listening who is being introduced and this is their first kind of run-in with this disease? 
Yeah, so the diagnosis of lymphoma sometimes can be very confusing. So first of all, there's more than over 60 types of lymphoma, and pretty much every time we update the classification, we add more. And the reason is because the more we learn about molecular biology, and the more we learn about uh, different types of you know genetic signatures, that kind of separates out more categories of lymphoma. And when the treatment is different, then obviously we actually change the name a little bit as well. So there's couple different ways to classify lymphoma. So one way you mentioned it was Hodgkin versus non-Hodgkin. And we typically don't do that anymore because it's really a, it's so artificial because basically there's a lot of lymphomas out there. Only one type is Hodgkin's. So everything else is non-Hodgkin's. So it doesn't really tell you what you have, except if you have Hodgkin's lymphoma. So the non-Hodgkin lymphoma is a huge category. So within that, there's other ways of looking at it. One is you can say, well, lymphomas come from lymphocytes. And most of the lymphocytes are based on two lineage, either the B cell or T cell. So you can classify a lymphoma based on is it a B cell type lymphoma or a T cell type lymphoma. So that's when you want to classify based on kind of more science driven. Uh, another way of classifying is by how aggressive the type of lymphoma is. You know, is it a, generally there's kind of three categories to look at. One is indolent, meaning that it's a slow growing type of lymphoma. And those type of lymphoma generally can wax and wane. And sometimes you don't even need to initiate treatment for five or 10 years because it just kind of sits there and doesn't do much. So that's the indolent type. There's the second category of that would be aggressive. And that kind of explains itself that these type of lymphoma grow fairly fast. You know, they might double in size in terms of weeks to month. And these definitely need therapy. And the third category, we could say highly aggressive, means that these lymphomas are very, very aggressive and divide very fast. And they can grow in matter of days to weeks. And these type of lymphoma, if you don't get treatment right away, it can actually kill you fairly fast. So that's a clinical way to look at lymphoma. Yeah, people always ask us if, you know, they, they know something about the disease. So they know that non-Hodgkin is, is broken up into the indolent or the slow-growing and the aggressive. And they say, I have mantle cell lymphoma, so wh which one am I? Am I slow-growing? Am I aggressive? And it, like you said, it's very individualized for this specific disease. Uh, and that is correct. And, you know, we can talk about that more. You know, mantle cell lymphoma used to be a very difficult diagnosis. Uh, it's hard to recognize and hard to treat. However, in the last 10 years, we actually made significant strides in terms of the diagnosis, in terms of the molecular pathways know about it, and also in terms of extending survival and improving the type of therapy. And again, mantle cell lymphoma is actually fairly rare. It makes it about five to six percent of all the lymphomas. So it's not one of the most common type of lymphomas out there. Well, you mentioned that mantle cell lymphoma results from this malignant change of a B lymphocyte within a lymph node. Now, when someone comes in and is having certain changes within their bodies, how is it determined that someone has mantle cell lymphoma? So uh, in general, let's talk about just lymphoma first, okay? Because, you know, in terms of the symptoms, mantle cell lymphoma may not differ from other type of lymphomas initially 
from the point of view of patients. So most of the time, patients generally present with uh, palpable lymphadenopathy. So sometimes they'll feel like they have a lump in their groin or a lump in their neck. Okay, And that's a fairly common presentation because it just shows that the lymph node is enlarged. And generally, these lumps or bumps, lumps are not really painful. You know, they can palpate it, but it doesn't really cause the patient a lot of pain. Some of the more, I guess, rare symptoms, but typically suggestive of a more advanced stage disease would be the typical lymphoma symptoms. For example, the B symptoms, meaning that do they have fevers? Do they have chills? Do they have night sweats? Do they have sudden decrease in their energy level? So these are what we typically associate B symptoms associated with lymphoma. Um, now, within mantle cell lymphoma, some people can present with abdominal bloating because their spleen and liver could be enlarged. Again, that's, that's not that common, but that can be seen as well. So generally, when patients present with that, they will go to their primary care doctor and say, I have a lump. And then the primary care doctor will start the workout by doing a detailed history and physical, get blood tests, and then proceed with a CT scan, a PET scan of the whole body, and then later on with the biopsy. And this could be a core needle biopsy or an incision or excisional biopsy. It kind of depends on the location of the lymph node, whether or not it's easily accessible or not. Now, on a blood test, oftentimes we do not have a, there's no direct marker that we can say you have mantle cell lymphoma from a simple blood test. Some people might have an elevated white blood cell count. Sometimes mantle cell lymphoma can present in what we call leukemic form, meaning that there's actually mental cells, lymphomas, in somebody's peripheral blood. Okay. Some people might have what we call pancytopenia, meaning that they have a low white blood cell count, low platelet count, or low hemoglobin. And that's because their bone marrow has been invaded by a lot of mantle cell lymphoma. And so they're not making their normal amount of red blood cells or hemoglobin or platelets. Okay. Otherwise, some people with mantle cell lymphoma can also have a marker called elevated LDH, lactate dehydrogenase. Now, this marker is not specific to mantle cell or even specific to lymphoma, but many times patients with advanced stage lymphoma can have elevated LDH. So these are kind of hints to tell us if somebody has mantle cell lymphoma or not. But again, none of these by themselves point specifically to mantle cell lymphoma. Do you usually wait for the labs to come back before you order a lymph node biopsy? Yeah, generally, you know, we order labs on the first visit when we see the patients, you know, and the labs basically come back in a day or two, so they don't take that long. And usually, if you see a lump, you want to stage a patient by getting a CT scan and a PET scan, because that will tell you the extent of the lymphoma. And then, after you have a CT scan and PET scan showing you all the different locations, you can decide on what is the optimum place to do the biopsy. If the patient doesn't have a good place and the safest procedure is a core needle biopsy, then we usually ask a radiologist to perform that. Or if a patient has a very easily accessible, you know, axillary lymph node, then we can ask a surgeon to do an incisional or excisional biopsy. And that is really the gold standard. The biopsy has to show us the patient has a specific type of lymphoma. 
So it's really the biopsy that is telling you the type of lymphoma. Yeah, so once the biopsy obtained, you know, they then they section it out and send it to the pathologist for further review. A pathologist can do different type of tests on it. They can do flow cytometry, they can do immunohistochemical staining, they can do fish analysis. The diagnosis of mantle cell lymphoma is very specific because you have to have a specific chromosome translocation, and it's called cyclin D1. What happens in mantle cell lymphoma is this gene called cyclin D1, which is normally on chromosome A, is translocated under chromosome 14. So you have a chromosome A14 translocation. And what happens to this is cyclin D1 is a regulated cell cycle, and it's not normally turned on. However, if you have this translocation, then cyclin D1 is overexpressed and it's turned on all the time. And that's what's kind of the root cause of the mantle cell lymphoma, is when the cells just keep on dividing, dividing, dividing because of this cyclin D1 overexpression. So, doctor, what is the mantle cell lymphoma international prognostic index, also known as MIPI? Yeah, so that's one way to tell if the mantle cell lymphoma is clinically aggressive or not. It's by the MIPI, as the score we use, and we take a look at certain factors. For example, the patient's LDH, the patient's age, uh, the stage, different things, and then we come up with a score. And we can look into, use the MIPI to separate you into an indolent, intermediate, and high-risk category. So low-risk, intermediate, and high-risk. If you're low risk, that means your five-year survival rate from mental cell is very, very high. If you're intermediate, well, then you're kind of like half there. If you're high risk, that means your disease needs some kind of more aggressive therapy, perhaps a transplant and other type of therapy may be involved. So really, this is to guide? Yes. And of course, when you think of cancer, you think, I want to be cured. That's the goal for many, and the truth is that that can't be the case for certain cancers. So when someone starts treatment and it's confirmed that they have mantle cell lymphoma, what is the goal of treatment for that person? Mantle cell lymphoma used to be what we call an incurable cancer, meaning that we cannot cure somebody of mantle cell lymphoma. And it used to be that the overall prognosis was fairly poor. The median survival was around three to four years. But this, again, was 10, 15 years ago, based on those stats. We have made significant strides now. The median overall survival of mental cell lymphoma is at least seven or eight, if not longer, or like 10 years, okay? So, you know, we have doubled or tripled that. And, you know, it's hard to say cure in mental cell lymphoma. However, nowadays, we can actually get patients to a fairly long remission period Again, we don't like to use the word cure because that means the lymphoma never, ever comes back for life. But we can get to somebody, get a patient to a remission fairly easily and get them to prolong this remission for a long period of time. Okay. So the goal of therapy for mental cell lymphoma should be get them to a complete remission and get them to a long period of complete remission and so that they do not need further treatment for a while. It makes total sense. And also, I think it also goes back to a lot of people are asking us when they're diagnosed whether they have that indolent or the aggressive type of lymphoma because we do typically educate people that if they have the indolent form or the slow growing, then the goal of treatment 
is to manage the disease. So as you said, go into remission. But that's not to say that the disease won't come back. Whereas usually the aggressive types of lymphoma, more so the goal is to cure, meaning that it won't necessarily come back. So I think it's, it's difficult when somebody is asking that question and they have mantle cell lymphoma because sometimes it is you know, seen as an aggressive form. The treatment starts right away. Typically, there's not a watch and wait period like other indolent forms of lymphoma. But at the same time, the goal of treatment is more so like an indolent type of lymphoma. Yeah, that, that is very true. It's just when people are trying to make sense of, you know, their disease and, and their treatment path and really trying to understand how it's going to go. And the biggest issue is if you're put in a remission, how long will it last? When will it come back? When it comes back, is it going to come back stronger? Yeah, so I would say a lot of patients, when they come to me, you know, nowadays with the internet, that you can access anything online almost. So the biggest advice I have for people is that, you know, try not to do that until you're given the firm diagnosis of lymphoma and the exact type. Because there's a lot of scary things out there, especially if you're reading about a very aggressive lymphomas and you happen to have an indolent type. So none of that would apply to you as a patient. So you kind of want to narrow down your diagnosis before you start looking for things. And it's hard because you want to start looking right away. <laughs> I understand, <laughs> yeah. But really, there's all these different types of non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and all of them are so very different. The prognosis and treatment are completely different. So it is, and there's no way anyone can just read about from the internet and figure it all out by themselves. We were speaking with a therapist, and she was saying that a lot of the patients that come in, because she deals with a lot of people who have had a medical diagnosis, and she was saying that a lot of them come in and they say, oh my gosh, I should have done this differently. What, what could I have done to avoid getting you know, X, Y, and Z? People always want to know, what did I do wrong for this to be the result? Is there any cause of mantle cell lymphoma for the person listening who is one of those people who was saying, it's, I bet it was that time I went here or did that. Is there a cause for this disease? No. So here's the thing. Mantle cell lymphoma is not a disease that you, first of all, it is not communicable, meaning that you're not going to, if you have it, you're not going to give it to someone else. Okay. It's also not hereditary, meaning that you didn't get it from your parents and you're not going to pass it on to your kids. Okay. You know, we don't know anything yet as to what's the root cause of it or how it comes about. We don't know it's an associate with the virus or anything, or any kind of radiation or whatever exposure can cause this, or, or kind of chemical hazards, stuff like that. So there's been nothing that's been associated with the increased incidence of mental cell lymphoma. We do know that mental cell lymphoma occur typically in elderly patients or older patients, so age 60 or higher. Also, it occurs more commonly in men compared to women. It's about 3 to 1 ratio. However, it has, again, you know, as a woman, you can still get it, and we, we still don't know why this is the case. So no patient should think that they did something wrong. That's why they got this mental cell lymphoma. And they also should not worry about family history and that, oh, will their kids get it? That's just not the case. That's good to know. 
And going back to what we were saying earlier about jumping online, I know that a lot of our listeners, they are looking for support. And one of those places for those listening to speak with another person who may have had the same diagnosis as yourself, we have a lot of options. We have online chats. We have LLS Community, which is an online social platform where people can ask and answer questions that are posted to that platform about various support resources, various questions about their disease. And we also offer publications, free publications that can be downloaded or can be ordered through the information specialist. So if you are looking for places to seek more information about mental cell lymphoma, I definitely suggest that you call the information specialist at 1-800-955-4572, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And doctor, do you see that when someone is diagnosed and they hear mental cell lymphoma and it's not a common diagnosis, do people often ask you if they can contact another person with mental cell lymphoma? Yes. And I mean, most uh, major medical centers that get referred to that treat, you know, that have a lymphoma specialist, they should have, even though it's rare, but if you get referred to a tertiary center like ours or other places, you know, we have social workers, we have programs that we can kind of link people up with other patients that have gone through the same diagnosis. So yes, I mean, uh, most patients do appreciate that. Yeah, it could be isolating. You can feel like you're alone, especially when you have something that you don't hear a lot of people being diagnosed with. That's so true, Lizette, and I really hope that the people listening will find our support resources to be useful for them. Again, you can visit www.lls.org forward slash support to see all of the ways that we can help you once you've been diagnosed. Thank you so much, Dr. Chen, for speaking with us today about the introduction to and diagnosis of mantle cell lymphoma. We know that our listeners will find this information to be just as useful and helpful as we did. And we're very excited to share this information with our listeners. Thanks for listening to The Bloodline with LLS. We can be found on iTunes and other great podcatchers. You can subscribe at www.thebloodline.org. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Keep up with LLS by following us on Twitter at LLSUSA and Facebook at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Until next time.